You are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. This is Beth, health and wellness professional, along with my buddy, co-host, and wonderful physician, Dr. Scott Cliffrow. Okay, so I am beyond pumped to introduce our guest, Scott Hamilton. Four consecutive world championships, a gold medal in the 1984 Olympics, 70 titles, awards, and honors, including an Emmy Award nomination, an introduction into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame and a member of the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame. You know, since his um, retirement from the skating world, he's been involved in charitable work, is the author of three books, and just recently started an amazing project called Live Your Days, which we're going to talk about more in depth in a few. Uh, Welcome to A Healthier View, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. This is so much fun. I really like talking to you guys. You're awesome. Aww. <laughs> it's it's an honor for me, Scott. I mean, I've admired your work since I was, um, you know, a younger person, and um, we're about the same age, and you've been such an inspiration to me. And and I, my first question, actually, from a figure skating standpoint, comes from the role as a parent. My kids are older now, but I was just curious if you could tell us how you got into figure skating and how much of it was your parents pushing you versus your just natural talent and desire and how those things blended together, you know, and how you became (laughs) where you got. Well, I was an adopted child and my parents were both in academia. So Mm -hmm. the idea of me going into sports is like, (laughs) I don't, you know, it's like (laughs) when you're an adopted kid, it's sort of like, well, there's no expectations here. So let's just see what happens. And so I had this uh, long, like four year sort of battle with a childhood illness that was um, never Mm -hmm. diagnosed at the, you know, then, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so at the end of that four year, they basically, um, we, we started in my hometown, then we went to Toledo, then we went to Ann Arbor, then we went to Boston. And uh, we, we figured once you get to Boston Children's, there's really no place else to go. <laughs> you know, so if they, can't, <laughs> if they can't figure out what's going on, probably nobody can. So it was there that um, the doctor said, you know, we can't diagnose this. We don't know what's going on. Hopefully it'll just mm-hmm. be something he grows out of. Um, but, um, why don't you go home and just live a normal life? And after four years, that's kind of, you know, a step in the dark for your, you know, my parents who were just so sort of into that hospital thing, sleeping in the chair, going in each day, doing all that stuff. And, um, so they didn't really know how not to do that after four years with me. So, um, our family physician lived right down the street and he came to our house one day and he just said, um hey you guys need a morning each week to just recharge your batteries you're like it was like an intervention you guys are uh drained you're exhausted you're mentally shattered and you just need one day a week to sleep in and just do your thing and they're like well how are we gonna do that and he said well um what we're going to do is uh, there's a brand new facility at the university it's an ice arena and they teach children how to skate from eight to noon every week my daughters are a part of the program 
And mm. so um, he can go with us. And, you know, if my, you know, my older sister ended up coming with us as well. And so I went into the rink the first day and I had a tube coming out of my nose because that's how I fed my supplement. And, um, you know, I'm right, now around 120 well kids. And I was like, this is, this is oh, wow. wild. I mean, I, I was just, you know, culture shock. And they took one look at me with a tube coming out of my nose. And it was like, what is that? <laughs> and I just <laughs> had to roll with it, you know. So I knew I was different. I knew I was the littlest one. I knew a lot of things. But um, when I got on the ice, I realized that, you know, I was kind of on equal footing, as it were, um, with all the other well kids, you know, like all the well kids. And so after a few weeks, I realized that I could skate as well as well kids. And then after a few more weeks, I realized that I could skate as well as the best athlete to my grade. Yeah. And it was yeah. my first taste of self-esteem. And so wow. I wanted to be at the rink on the ice all the time. Like my parents had to threaten me to get me off the ice. It wasn't like they pushed <laughs> me at all. There were times, you know, yeah. when you approach adolescence that you start to get kind of lazy and you only want to yeah. do things that make you happy and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I see that with my kids, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I better, I'd rather <laughs> just stay home and play video games. It's like, yeah, I bet you would. Well, you know, so, but it's just that it's, it's, um, you try to figure out, you know, what's best and, you know, how things work. And so, yeah. my, my, you know, whenever I decided I just didn't feel like going to the rink, my parents would say, no, you wanted to do this. This is your thing. And you're not just going to blow it off. You, if you make a commitment, you stick with it. And so uh, I go to the rink on those days. I didn't feel like going and I'd always have a good time. So pretty soon, you know, those days were, you know, fewer and further between. And, and yeah. I just sort of became a competitive skater and then I tested and then, um, you know, I just sort of went up the ranks and I played hockey for three years when I was, as well as figure skating. So I was totally yeah. a rink rat. Wow. What a great story. The self-esteem part's really, really incredible. You know, I obviously deal, I, I'm not a pediatrician, but I deal with folks with chronic illness and it just, you know, just, you get this, you get these spirals going where you, you don't feel well and it affects your mood and your outlook and your pot, you know, you get negative and it's just, mm -hmm. as a physician, it's like, we want to try and pull them up and reverse that spiral. And it seems like maybe figure skating was what kind of got your spiral going the other way. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I never, I, you know, I don't remember ever feeling down or lesser. I, I remember mm -hmm. feeling scared because there's tests mm -hmm. and they, it always seemed like they were coming at me with, um, a syringe that was, you know, yeah. probably the size of a milk carton and, you know, a needle that was the size of a railroad spike, you know, and it was like, it was yeah. coming at me with stuff like that. But um, I remember some of that and I remember some of the tests and some of the things, you know, like one little boy, I, they had me, they didn't know why I wasn't growing. They didn't know why I wasn't digesting my food properly. So they did something really scientific. They've weighted the string and they had me swallow the weight and then they traced the string as it went through my digestive tract, right? Wow. Thinking that if there was a blockage, it would stop, but they just keep yeah. going, you know, whatever. And some, there was a little boy in the little common play area who was playing with a toy airplane and he got it a little too close to my face and the toy airplane got tangled up in the string. And I'm like going, <laughs> you know, oh. gagging and all that. And so the nurse came oh, no. in and the little boy had run away by this point. And I was trying to figure out how to get the, the plane untangled from the string. Um, 
And the nurse was convinced that I did it. And so for the next two oh. days, I was in a straight jacket. So that's one of the vivid memories I have. But um, oh, no. other than that, you know, it, it was just sort of my, that was my place, my community. I remember I, you know, I really felt at home with the other kids that were like me, you know, that needed medical help or, you know, weren't feeling good or things weren't going normally. And so that was my kind of sort of peer group. And then, when I got into skating, that became my new community, and, and I just sort of fell into that full time. Oh, that's wow. amazing. And, you know, as I was preparing for this interview, I watched an incredible performance from you where you did your signature backward move. And let me tell you, I was in awe every time I see that. I want you to go back to that uh -huh. moment when you were training. I mean, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, I think I'll do a backflip on ice? I mean, that's really no. pushing the envelope. <laughs> I mean, I'm a former gymnast, and I can tell you, I would be petrified of even thinking such that. Um, you know, I mean, did that come natural to you, or did your trainers and coaches have to really motivate you to go big? No, no, no. I, I, um, I learned that uh, it was after I turned pro. Um, I joined the ice capades. And there was two guys, Robert Wagenhofer, who I used to compete against, and then Paul Heath, they both had backflips. And I'd see, you know, just, you know, what it did to an audience. And I was like, oh, get me one of those. And so I started working on it immediately. And and I worked with a guy that actually invented it, a guy named Skippy Baxter. Um, you know, he did it in like the 50s, late 40s, early 50s. And uh, he was a great uh, professional, like a show skater in one of the big eye shows and he gave me my first lesson and I said well that's pretty you know, I, I don't know if I could I don't know if, you know he had good technique but I really wanted to learn it more you know something that would really allow me to kind of be more solid and steady with it so I went to a gymnastics coach and I'd work on it on and off for about a year and it was at the end of the year I took it to the ice and I wore a, a rope around my waist and um there'd be a big strong pair of skater on either side of me that could lift me up if I bailed out of the middle of the, the jump. And pretty soon, you, you know, you start building the timing and the confidence and then they get further away. Um, and then one guy goes away and then the other guy goes away and you tie the rope around your waist and, and you start doing them on your own. And um, it, it's pretty, you know, the first couple you do on your own, it's a rush. It's just an absolute rush. And um, yeah. I remember the first one I ever did in a show. I No one had ever seen me do anything like that before. And it was uh, it was in Salt Lake City, and it was a really full house at Ice Capades. And, and I remember the adrenaline was pumping so much. I didn't want to do it at the end of the routine because I was afraid my legs would be too tired to get over. And uh -huh. so I opened with it. And the second my feet hit the ground, it was like the biggest one I've ever done in my life because adrenaline was just coursing through my veins. And I went up and over and it was like the, the feeling of flying and freedom was just unbelievable. And the second my feet hit the ice, the audience just erupted. And I was like, okay, I am never leaving the house without this bad boy. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Wow. So it was fun. It was really fun. And and then, you know, I always found a way to get it in every routine. And I, I, I love that people gave me a lot more credit for that move than I deserved. But it was something that really uh, separated my amateur career from my professional career and kind of set me into a new mindset that I was going to skate completely differently um, than I did as, a, as an amateur skater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, I read your last book, Finish First. And oh, um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Actually, I've read it twice. Um, but oh, talk wow. about inspiring. It is beautifully written. I mean, the account of your life is direct and profound. I mean, you're such a positive person and accepting in your role and your setbacks and successes and, and your recognition of God and your words really spoke to me. And I am so grateful for this book. I encourage everyone to go out and get it. But Scott, what inspired you to be so open and want to help others make changes in their life? You know, it was um, the Finish First platform came out of, you know, I've been doing a lot of corporate speaking and a lot of motivational speaking. And I, and I really love it. It's my favorite thing. And I just really wanted to kind of put another um, a, another weapon in my war chest, right? You know, so I really mm-hmm. wanted, I wanted to expand the things that I could talk about. And I really felt like there was um, an underserved, um, you know, a part of our community that really needed to understand the power of, you know, personal responsibility. Um, all those things sound really rough. It's about accepting, you know, what it takes in order to be successful. And it's about you really being competitive, not only with people around you, but especially with yourself. And it was um, it was really fun to write. I, I actually, um, through uh, a mutual friend, I'd gotten to know Don Miller. And um, I actually, you know, his story brand company, um, I, I got to know them through um, just our mutual friend and everything. And I asked him, I go, I need, I need a new platform. And he came to me one day and he goes, finish first. And I go, what's that? And he goes, it's like what everybody wants to do in their life, finish first. And oh. I thought about it and there were so many things, there's so many levels to it. I go, I can do that. I can do that. I figured uh-huh. it out because I was an absolute finger L on my forehead loser. And I, I, I was a disaster and, and I, I messed up so many competitions and so many tests and so many moments that I realized that, you know, if I can work my way out of that, um, I, I can, you know, put that down in a way that people can truly understand it, absorb it in a friendly way and, and really take on those principles in their own lives and build a winning mindset and ultimately be more successful. And I thought, I can do that. And so originally I wrote it for, you know, basically millennials who are kind of like, you know, kind of grew up into the whole um, smartphone you know, set and, you know, mm-hmm. social media and everything else. And, and time just sort of gets lost in, in um, being subservient to these devices and these platforms. And so I thought I was really writing it for them. And then um, I thought, well, no, my skaters can use it. Like the skaters can really use it because a lot of the, ex- the examples I use that are personal examples came out of what I learned on the ice. And then I thought people in business could use it because, you know, it really gets into the whole competitive. And then I thought, you know, young people, you know, and then I thought of all the different applications for it. And, and then I, you know, the strangest thing happened. I got um, a thank you email and it was, um, it was from a, uh, I started getting them. I should say the first one was from a senior citizen and then more and more and more senior citizens were reaching out to me, you know, basically saying, thank you for getting me off the couch because, you know, the mindset is if I have breath in my lungs, I can be doing, I can be doing stuff. I can be doing, you know, I can be leveraging, you know, and, and I can, I can take advantage of the time and the talents that I have in my uniqueness in order to, to really, you know, touch others and, 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 and bless them and bless my own lives, you know, lives. 
so it's it was really um amazing to see more and more senior citizens saying thank you i was retired and i i was just sort of laying around doing nothing and and you know i picked up your book and started reading and saying no i got stuff i want to do and Mm -hmm. and uh it's just been a really great thing to see just how many and 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 just a i guess what a broad reach that book uh can have because of just it's logical it's it's laid out in a way that we can all understand and you know it takes you know terrible pa- uh, pain points and just sort of brings them down uh, to earth where they belong you know like failure you know i truly 100 percent believe failure is just information that's mm-hmm. nothing more mm-hmm. you know and we all look at failure as these moments in our lives that we just hang on to and dread and agony and oh i can't believe that happened and when we look at it, it's like, no, honestly, it's just feedback. You know, it's like, that didn't work. Let's try something else, you know? And it's like, really? And I go, yeah, I can do that. You know? And it's like, you know, criticism, you know, I just, you know, I describe criticism um, at length in the book, but it's just basically it comes in two forms. It comes in um, opinion and fact. And if someone criticizes you out of opinion, you know, whatever, you know, whether it be a, a cruel social media post or if they just you know want to insult you you can look at that and you go eh, delete because that you know i mean it's just it, it's worthless you know it doesn't have any value but if someone criticizes you even if it's harshly and it's in truth it's like thank you thank you that's yeah. such a beautiful gift thank you and i now have something to work with and so mm. you know i really try to kind of turn things a little bit on, on you know just enough where people can look at them a different way and and um, um, I'm really proud of it and I'm so glad that you enjoyed it thank you so much for sharing that I loved it loved it <laughs> love it yes well your your Beth has told me about your book and I want to read it I haven't read it yet Scott but you know, it's been so motivating to her and others I mean what motivates you do you know people or uh, get any suggestions on how you get motivated and can and keep up your your schedule, which I know must be very pressing. How, what do you, how do you get your motivation internally and externally? Well, first I want a, a disclaimer. If you're a fan, <laughs> if you're a fan at all of participation trophies, you really don't want to read finish first. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend yes. it, you know, at all. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I, I think um, my life's been disrupted and, um, threatened enough where I really uh, see that, um, you know, moments are important. Yeah. Uh, minutes yeah. are important. And, uh, you know, it just really um, makes me want to, you know, take what I've been given. Because if you take a step back, you know, um, and you just do a, a, an accounting of the early years and my assets, like everything about everything in my life is unlikely you know i grew mm-hmm. up in uh, a small town in ohio my parents were both in academia they had no coaching they had no culture they had no anything around skating yeah. or ice sports in my hometown and, and so for me to come out of there and to um have the you know competitive and professional success that i've had it's so unlikely and so i look at that as um, a, not really an accident. Um, you know, I, I do believe um, I, in, um, in, in God and, and the intelligent design and all those things. And, and I realized that, you know, for whatever reason, 
um, I was, you know, given these opportunities and, and, you know, these abilities to be able to do good things in the community. So, you know, no is a really rare answer. And it usually only happens because I already have something at that time. And I really try to <laughs> stay, you know, busy and I try to stay um, involved and I really want to do good things in the community. And, and I want my days to, you know, mean something. Yeah. And, and this is just a great segue to um, my next question, um, which is Live Your Days, which is a new platform, mm -hmm. a new program that um, I just signed up for a, a little over a month ago. So I'm going to ask you to run with this one. But can you tell us and the audience, how did Live Your Days come to fruition? Well, um, it, it actually, it started uh, at the diagnosis of my third brain tumor. Uh, I was sitting in the doctor's office and uh, it, was, it was actually a well visit. I was just going in on a scheduled scan to, you know, see if this thing, because my particular brain tumor likes an encore. And, um, hmm. and so it's come back uh, from the first time it was treated in 2004, it came back again in 2010, and then it came back again in 2016. So it seems like every six years and this kind of pattern has emerged here. Like, yuck. Anyway, um, so they were telling me about treatment options and all I kept hearing or feeling or, you know, just, uh, I don't know, my, everything in my mind was saying, get strong. And I, I don't know where that came from. I, I just yeah. remember that they were telling me, you know, here's the surgical option. Here's what we're going to have to do. And all I'm hearing is blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah. it's just get strong, get strong. And then the medical oncologist came in and said, well, there's now a chemotherapy option for you that we could try. It's experimental, but it's showing signs for your particular cell type, blah, 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 blah. Get strong, get strong. Mm -hmm. So um, after that visit, um, I like to be on, on prayer you know, groups and chains. And so I, I wanted to get the word out. I'm just going to do one interview um, with people.com, figuring it had pretty good reach that if, you know, I don't want to just be a lot, you know, just parading my brain tumor around. I just wanted to say once that I had it so I could get on these mm -hmm. prayer circles. And, and um, it's just the easiest way to get the word out. So I went in and I did this interview for people.com. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a very optimistic person. So I, I was, you know, just, you know, they, well, how do you feel? And it's like, I'm, I'm feeling great. You know, it's not my first rodeo. I've been here before. You know, it's nothing to fear. You know, I just, um, well, how do you tell your kids? I go, well, when I come home, they're going to say, is your brain tumor back? And I'm going to say, it is. Yes, it is. You know, and be excited about it. That way they don't get scared or nervous. And, you know, I don't want to be giving my, any, any kind of fears or apprehensions I have to them. And, and so, I, you know, there's more to the interview, but basically um, I just sort of, you know, just sort of, you know, okay, I did my part and I walked away and I kept getting these reports that the viewership of that video was going up. And for whatever reason, that video was viewed over 35 million times. And I realized that, you know, there's something there that people desperately need. And that's, I think, hope in the storm, right? So we, um, I came back to town. I was meeting with this group called Five by Five Agency. They're a marketing firm. And they watched the interview and they came up with this idea. And I said, I love it. I love everything about it. I just, some. Something just says that now isn't the time to do it. I, 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 
you know, there was, um, there was costs associated with it that I wasn't, you know, I, I just didn't, I, there was all kinds, you know, it's just like it didn't, in my spirit, it didn't feel right. And so um, uh, in April, uh, during all the lockdowns and everything, I got an email from 5x5 Five Five Agency, um, Shannon Linton's the CEO, and she said, uh, can, can I call you this afternoon? I said, Let's, yeah, of course. And so basically the call was now. And I said, yes, definitely <laughs> uh-huh. now. Because the whole idea, you know, about getting strong was I didn't know if it meant physically, emotionally, intellectually, or, mm-hmm. or spiritually. And I, 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 so I made the right choice, E, all the above, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've just been getting strong and the tumor has been shrinking and shrinking and growing and growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking and, growing and, shrinking and just sort of, I haven't had any treatment in the last four years. So I look at that as an incredible miracle and blessing. And, um, and so, you know, we, we came up with the concept of live your days. And that, that is based on, you know, my, my personal experience of, you know, our bodies are incredibly vulnerable and fragile and susceptible to many, many things, but they're also phenomenally resilient but ultimately temporary, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, yeah, no one gets yeah. out of this thing alive. So yeah. how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to live our days? And so we felt like creating this platform and getting it out where people could start building those muscles of, of contentment and gratitude and community and, and really understanding um, their individual power um, it would be an amazing gift during um, a very frightening uh, episode in our history, you know, with this, you know, and beyond, honestly. I think Live Your Days is something, it's kind of the carpe diem of now. And I really believe that, you know, people, if they take the 30 day challenge, uh, which I know uh-huh. you're taking, uh-huh. um, it, it, it really uh, built, it gives you a positive message every morning in your email box for 30 days and a task. Um, just uh, here's a task to do. And, you know, I joke with people, I, you know, we're never going to tell you that, okay, today's task is run a marathon. No, it's nothing like <laughs> that, you know, and it's just one of those things where, you know, um, you know, Beth, you can, you, you know, you can tell them some of the things you've done in it, but you know, the day one is name three things you're, you're grateful for and why, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, and, and it's just, it makes you kind of think inward a little bit, and it allows you to build those muscles of gratitude, um, and, you know, it, it allows you to pull away from the negativity that is, is smothering our culture, and sort of start, you know, looking at building kind of that strength of, no, there's some, there's some really cool things going on here, and I, I really need to pay more attention to it and get more involved in it. Wow. Yeah. Scott, I, you know, as a physician, I, I, I'm really interested in how we can do a better job in, in being partners with our patients in healthcare. And, you know, it's been a crazy year, but just reflecting on your life of having your health issues and, and as a child and also as an adult and interacting with, you know, healthcare workers and physicians and nurses, I, I would like to know anything you could maybe tell us healthcare workers in the audience, what we could maybe work on. And then also, as a patient, what you can tell all of us, because we're all eventually going to be patients, what, if there's anything you can remind us that we need to, you know, think about when we're interacting in the healthcare system. So I don't know if that's a, kind of a two-part question, but anything there would be really, I think, helpful given your history. 
Well, I, I, there's a lot. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot. You know, doctors, physicians, nurses, healthcare professionals are all trained to do what they do. And mm-hmm. there's so many more levels of the um, cancer uh, experience than a doctor can really represent. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. we're going to put you on chemo. Well, yeah. what's that? You know, and it's yeah. like, well, yeah. you know, and, and it's, you know, when I asked my doctor, you know, I said, well, am I going to get sick? And he goes, oh, yes, you're going to be uh, moderate to severe. And I go, well, can you explain that to me? And he said, moderate yeah. to severe. And I go, okay, it doesn't really help me at all. So in yeah. my survivorship, I created a mentorship program where we paired newly diagnosed patients with survivors. And um, is, well, now when I say, you know, how sick am I going to get moderate to severe, it's going to be, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, there were some days, like after I bleomycin, where it would be 90 minutes, three, two, one, I'd start shivering and I just have to lay down and sleep it off for four hours. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, how do I get ahead of the nausea? Oh, this is what I did. And here's what I did when I really was like post, you know, I, I would, you know, um, drink a ton of water. I would, I would lay mm-hmm. down, I would, I, or I would start, I would walk and really get the blood flowing. And um, when I got scared, I had a sacred space. And, you know, there's all these things that patients figure out that can be shared with other patients and that, that can't come from a healthcare professional because most of them had never been there where that patient is right now. They've just witnessed it. Right. So right. there's, it, it's, a, it's <clears throat> relying on other sources of psychological intellectual support. You know, when, when I looked up testicular cancer, when I was diagnosed, there were only medical journal papers with 12 syllable words, sometimes three to a sentence. And I realized that I'm not smart enough to be sick. Right. So <laughs> we created um, chemocare.com, which explains everything about the chemotherapy experience, um, the, how it's administered. Every single drug is listed and described. And the side effects are all listed and, you know, recommended ways of managing them all in eighth grade English and Spanish with Google Translate, any language in the world. So, you know, we thought if when we created this thing that if we did three million hits a year, that that's our goal. And we're doing, last I checked, way over three million hits a month, you know, so it's um, it's doing its work. So there are so many um, things that doctors need to be aware of that lighten their load, A, and B, give that patient a destination for information that is unique to them. And the other part of it is, you know, um, when I was going through chemo, no one talked to me about diet or supplements or anything else. Uh And and even with COVID, you know, we can look at um, their ways of, of, you know, shoring up your immune system to at least... Like if you are, you know, um, it, you know, if, if you do end up developing COVID, you know, your body will be you know, better prepared for it. You know, those types of right. things, which we don't really hear enough about, you know, we don't hear yeah. enough about vitamin D and, and zinc and, and vitamin C and all these other ways, garlic, um, to get ahead of, you know, just sort of getting our body short up, you know, and. I don't hear anything about it at all. You know, no. it, it, it's no. so much is just on, on the virus and the virus, and, uh, not on the virus, on the, on the vaccine, on the vaccine, on the vaccine. And, yeah. and um, you know, and, and that's, that's fine, you know, but I, I do think that there's really great ways and, and that's up to um, 
you know, people that are really dedicated to that. Like I'm just sharing with you things that I'm doing because yeah. with my unique hobby of collecting life threatening illness, you know, I, I'm kind of susceptible, <laughs> you know, to things like that. You know, my body doesn't yeah. work the same way other people's bodies do. So besides yeah. getting strong, you know, in every way I can think of, especially spiritually and physically, you know, um, I, you know, I'm really trying to listen to my wife who's, who's been really knowledgeable on all this and, yeah. and reaching out to other professionals in the, the, you know, homeopathy space. And then also in, in the, you know, general uh, nutrition space to say, how do I, how do I get strong, you know, my immune system? So, you know, I, maybe uh, if I am exposed to COVID, I could shrug it off. And it's that wow. getting that kind of information that'll really serve people better than just waiting for, you know, kind of the, the, the magic pill. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's so true. I mean, yeah, that's so true. Well, yeah, and I've actually so been taking vitamin C infusions, and I really attribute um, that to my health. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I mean, that's really yeah. great. I, I, I take so many vitamins in the, in the day <laughs> now, and, you know, it, it's expensive. You know, it really does. But even just getting on a really good multi and then really looking after, you know, like vitamin A or other, you know, um, supplements that really shore up your immune system, zinc, vitamin D. I take vitamin D twice a day. I take four C capsules, uh, garlic, um, zinc every night after dinner. Um, you know, and it's just ways, you know, it's, it's just really strong ways of, of being able to get strong, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, again, yeah. that whole kind of mantra of get strong and, and yeah. uh, that way, you know, you don't have to go outside in hazmat suits and, you know, try to avoid people because people need people, you know, it's a big yeah. part of our you know, our DNA, you know, is, is my coach would always tell me that the human is a social animal and cannot yeah. survive without other humans. And I totally believe yeah. that. And so much about COVID has been, you know, almost evil when you think about, you yeah. know, separating people, you know, shuttering up people in their homes, shutting down businesses. And it's just like, what, 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 what I just know. happened? Mm -hmm. And, um, know. you know, it's, 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 it's brutal, but, you know, um, hopefully, you know, uh, things will start to dissipate and, um, yeah. we'll get this period behind us and we'll circle 2020 on the calendar as a gigantic <laughs> whiff, <laughs> you know, it was, we uh, just whipped it. It was a rough year. I mean, just like, what did I accomplish? Well, actually I did a lot in 2020 and I'm really proud of it, but, um, you know, it was a product of the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, one of the things I love about you, Scott, is, I mean, just your energy. You're just so much fun to, you know, to watch and to listen oh, to. You. But you're also very zen and you're very, you know, thoughtful. And, and parts of um, Live Your Days, it reminded me a little bit of the late, great Dr. Wayne Dyer. But one of the topics mm -hmm. that really challenged me was the day um, when you encouraged everyone to have fun like a kid again. I remember thinking, what was I like as a kid? You know, what made me happy as a kid? And I hate to say it, but it took me some time to wrap my head around that one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, what, what, what would you do? What did you end up doing? Okay. This is a God's honest truth. I collect Raggedy Ann dolls. 
and Dr. Clithero can oh, attest to this. Yeah. So I got, I have like big ones. I have like four feet, like far, like really, really big raggedy. And they're all in my office now, my home office. And they're staring oh. at me and they make me happy. Yay. <laughs> yes. yes. Absolutely. Oh, that's so fun. So for me, like, if, it's like, what I was going to do is to get, when I was a kid, like my bike, like I was always on a bike or a mini bike. That was it. I just get out of my bike and just start riding and just go wherever or find a place to, you know, ride my bike to eat or just get on my bike. And, and then we, you know, during COVID, we had dinner around the table every single night and we would, it would usually end up in a cutthroat game of, of Uno. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we got, you know, we did board games, we did card games, we did all kinds of things just to, you know, kind of be with our kids and, and, uh, you know, play with them. And, and um, it was really a beautiful time. But yeah, all those things when you look back on when you were kids, like my, my biggest sense of freedom was just being on my bike. So that's where I would have gone first. Oh, that's great. I love the dolls though. That's, yeah, it's fun. I do. <laughs> I love Raggedy and I collect them. So. <laughs> Scott, um, I watched your Ted talk, um, which was, I've really enjoyed it. And I highly recommend our listeners find it on, on the TEDx or YouTube, but um, one of my favorite books of all time is um, uh, Victor Frankl's book about his time, you know, during the Holocaust and Man's Search for Meaning. It's called, and he talks a lot about there's meaning and suffering. And yeah. I, you know, I try to bring that into sometimes my my visits with patients who are suffering, as you have with illness, and you know, the, the things you've been saying have really impacted me. And I try to be there with my patients with within the disease and as best I can from empathy, but. Can you kind of share a little bit about that talk? Because that really was impactful about how, how could suffering be meaningful? And I think that's something a lot of us could probably hear this year, but anytime. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. You know, it, it's kind of everywhere. You know, it's the one mm -hmm. thing all humans will endure is suffering. You know, in Romans 5, mm -hmm. it says that, you know, that, that, that suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, and character, hope, right? You know, so... It does its work. You know, when, when I did the TEDx talk, you know, they, I got invited to do it and I go, Oh yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd be honored to speak at a TEDx event. What would you like me to talk about? And they go, anything you want. And I was like, Oh, could you just narrow it down a little bit? You know, like, and so I, I'm sitting there and I'm like sitting at my desk, right, right where I'm sitting right now, staring at my computer going, what am I going to talk about? This is kind of like, you know, these uber thinkers and, you know, these really super intellectuals and they all have these really cool hypotheses and they're doing all yeah. these things. It's like, what do I, what can I share uniquely that would be, yeah. you know, where I have like a point of view and I thought, well, suffering. And I looked up on Ted, I go, how many talks have they done on suffering? None. I go, you're mm. kidding me. Nobody's ever talked about suffering. So I, and I talk about it as something that, you know, um, you can run, but you can't hide. You know, we're all going to suffer, and and it it comes in different forms. It's you know, physical and emotional, intellectual, and and you know, it, it just basically, um, you know, toward the end of the talk, I, it culminated in, you know, just sort of that, you know, when when we're going through a period of suffering, it's kind of like that fork in the road, you know. And I put my fingers up, you know, um, my middle and index finger, you know, kind of horizontally with the floor. And I just said, or parallel with the floor. And I just said, you know, when we look at a fork in the road, we always look at it as left or right. And honestly, it's more up and down. And I tilted my fingers mm -hmm. and I said, you know, in any, 
any situation where you're um, in suffering, you have three choices and only three choices. You can succumb and that's to take that lower road down, the, the road that takes you down, 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 and just succumb to your suffering and allow it to, to really do its, its horrible work. Or you can adapt and that's just staying right there at the fork and not going either up or down, just staying right there and just <laughs> adapting to whatever your situation is. And that's fine. That's all good. But there's another way, and that's, that's to take that higher road. And that's mm-hmm. to allow your suffering to, um, you know, allow you to evolve and become greater through your suffering than you ever thought you could be. And I look back on, you know, the childhood illness and, and it gave me skating and the loss of my mom, um, that suffering, because she was the center of my universe and how it really awakened my character and, and um, cancer and how I wouldn't have the wife and children I have right now if it weren't for cancer and, and the brain tumors, how I was actually born with that brain tumor. And, um, and it, without it, I never probably would have started skating. I wouldn't have the identity, the size, anything that I am today or then. It, my life would have been much different without those, those things that one would consider to be negative or, you know, kind of suffering. And, you know, suffering has to do its work. You know, uh, if, if we get through life pain-free, um, we, we really don't know, you know, the full spectrum of, uh, the offerings that life has. And, you know, we really need to understand that for every day of joy, there's a day of suffering, but joy, you know, even joy itself isn't the lack of fear and suffering. It's how you go through it. Right. So that's my wife yeah. in an interview one time. And I thought that was brilliant, but you know, mm-hmm. we, we are, we are all going to suffer in some way, shape or form. The, the best way to, to go through it is, as I said, in that Ted talk is to own it, own it hundred yeah. percent, embrace it. And, and just, allow it to do what it needs to do in order to get you to that higher place. And in that you'll evolve and you'll be stronger, better, richer, deeper than you've ever been before. Mm. Oh, very profound. Yeah. I highly recommend that to TED talk. I really enjoyed it, Scott. That was wonderful. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Cause I was scared out of my mind. I go, here I am. I'm going to be closing, closing the TEDx in Nashville. And I'm going to be talking about suffering. It's like, what in the world was I thinking? It's like, well, I'm going to start yeah, it, laughter. It, yeah. Well, it was very uplifting though. You know, it's it, despite the title, it was very uplifting. So I think great, great job, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have to put that on our um on the landing page as well, so people can. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we will. You know, Scott. My last question to you is, um, and share with our audience, what is the best advice you've ever gotten in your life, and who was it from? Oh my goodness! Oh, I've had so much. (laughs) Um, you know, um, I always go back to my um to my coach. You know, um, you know, whenever I'd complain about something, you know, it's like, ah, oh, my just my 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 legs are hurting today. And he said, the absence of pain is death. <laughs> I said, okay, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> all right, you know. And then I'd be, you know, in a lesson, I'd be talking, and he would say things like, the absence, no, silence is the absence of sound. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll be quiet now. But he had all these little nuggets, and and um, a wonderful um, uh, reporter uh, in Baltimore who knew my coach really well. She found a folder of his when going through his things when he passed, and a lot of them were just 
he would write on napkins his little sayings and things like that. But, um, you know, when, when I was really scared and I was, it was right after my mom died and I was competing early in the competition season and I had a jump that no one else had. Um, I was with, with, you know, staying with my sponsors in Chicago and they said something really profound that I, that really honestly can be used anywhere and everywhere, regardless. And um, he goes, he goes, how do you feel about tonight? I go, I'm honestly, I'm really nervous. And he goes, skate the ice. Oh, yeah. And I go, what? And he goes, skate the ice. And I go, what does that mean? He goes, what that means is go out there and take what the ice gives you. Mm. And I thought, okay. And it was really amazing because when I set up that first jump, I just got in a position. I said, relax. And it just floated and it landed without any obstruction from me or any tenseness or anything else. And, and I just, um, in that moment, I allowed the ice to give me whatever it was going to give me. And I, and I allowed that. So, you know, um, I always talk to coaches and professionals and people, and it's that whole open hand versus a clench this you know, kind of mentality, right? And if we just visualize, or if we just hold our palm up and open out in front of us, we see how much fits in that hand. Like if you're to hold love in your hand, how much would fit in that open palm, you know, just Mm. standing there right in front of you. But if you close your fist, you know, like a lot of people do to control and to just squeeze and, and just make sure that, you know, they're, you know, they're in charge or whatever. When you look at that clenched fist, there's no room for anything in it, right? You know, so I've really tried to live life more with an open hand than a clenched fist, like the whole skate the ice mentality of, I really just want life to give me what it will. And in that, yeah. um, I, you know, I, it, it, you know, things are going to come and things are going to go. And, and today is going to be today and tomorrow is different. And, and it's all from yesterday, it's totally not the same, but, it's all, it all happens with an open hand because, you know, I allow good things to happen and I allow whatever is in that moment to happen. But if, if I control everything with that kind of um, harsh kind of clenched fish mentality, you know, pretty soon I'm going to open that hand and I'm going to realize that there was never anything in it because there was no room for anything in it. So mm-hmm. um, I really try to, you know, with my skating coaches and, and with a lot of the people that I work with, I, I really just say, um, is that an open hand or a clenched fist? <laughs> you know, wow. it's convicting. You know, that. it really is convicting because it's like, you know, you look at that and it's like, yeah, nothing fits in a clenched fist, you know, and and, uh, <laughs> and, and you see it kind of everywhere, you know, it's like, you know, forcing things, um, you know, uh, just, you know, just the, the general kind of attitude of different segments of our culture that says, no, it has to be this. Yeah. This, no, it has to be this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, it's not, and, and it, life doesn't come in one size or color. It yeah. comes in no. variety of everything. Right. And we, we, we just have to embrace that and, and allow it to be what it's going to be. And, and, you know, even that with COVID, it's like, you know, let's, let's, whatever, whatever work it has to do. I fundamentally, to my essence of my being, think COVID is evil um, just because of how it's done its work. Um, but mm-hmm. let's see the beauty that comes out of it, you know, like with, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I had dinner around the, the table with my family every night during lockdown quarantine. 
And it was amazing because we've never made time to do that before. And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm the guy that looks at the beauty of everything, everything. And, and I, I, you know, I think that's why I live your days meant so much to me. It's, it just allows people that permission to just allow today to give you what it needs to give you and, and just try to get out of the way. But when it's time participate, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, in that, you know, you're, you're going to be probably more joyful and more, um, more uh, open to accept unexpected good things in a day instead of um, commanding them. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> beautiful. Well, Scott, that's beautiful. Yeah. What a, well, what a great way to end it, Scott Hamilton. Thank you so much for your time. We know you're busy and, and you're sharing your encouragement and your wisdom with us. It's just, beyond oh, words thank you thank so you. much for your time yeah we uh, really thank appreciate you it. i wish yeah. you know nobody in my house listens to me so i'm glad you do so that's good. <laughs> thank you <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> well we'll and of course we'll put links in the show notes for all the wonderful things you're doing because they really are a gift to the world scott thank you so much uh god bless you guys thank you so much yeah, i really you. appreciate it thank you all right well with that we'll with that we'll be back after this commercial break There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we are back from commercial break. Scott, wasn't Scott Hamilton amazing? Wow, Beth. I mean, I am, I've been having a kind of a rough week and, uh, you know, just very busy. And, uh, man, what a great shot of motivation that was from Scott. He just, I don't know, you know, he, he kind of like you, Beth, he seems to have this universal connection. You know, he kind of has this way of connecting with God and, the universe and then kind of distilling it in a way that's easy to understand, but very motivating. And, and his, you know, just his whole being, man, what a, what a wonderful person. And I highly recommend that people check out his website and the things he's got to offer because they, they really can help a lot of us get through, through the day and through this crazy life we have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I, again, I just can't say enough, Beth, but thank you for setting that up. That's what a great, um, what a great hour. Really I'm one of his amazing. biggest fans, actually. I love Scott Hamilton. <laughs> yes. Yes. Without being a stalker, well, I'm definitely going to sign, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to sign up for his, yes. um, his 30 day challenge for sure. I, I, Absolutely. I really, I'm going to do that and, and I'll report back on how it's going for sure. Okay. Well, with that, Beth, I think it's time to wrap up. And again, just enormous gratitude to our listeners out there and you make the show what it is and please send us questions or suggestions for shows we are all ears and we just send our love to everybody at this uh, end of the year beginning of the year a time for renewal and change and i'm wishing for everybody a great uh, 2021 and don't forget you can check us out on facebook and other social media platforms and um, just please keep supporting us and and keep in touch and beth uh, thanks again for all you do and um, and um, what a great show So with that, we'll see you next time.